welcome back to another episode of Young, Black, and Opinionated. I'm your host, Christina Royster. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. You can leave me a comment, rate, review, all that stuff if you like what you hear today. And I am joined by a special guest, Brother Ash. Hey, hey. Rapper, musician, producer, and you are the founder of Maplewood Records. And I really want to make today's episode all about how hip-hop is a collaborative effort. And I think that's exactly what you're doing with The Wick. So, are you ready to get into our episode? Yes, I am. Alrighty, so as we know, uh, this episode is coming out on August 11th, which is the birthday of hip-hop. So this is hip-hop's 50th anniversary. It all started back in 1973. And as I was thinking about what do I want to say for this special occasion, you know, like, there's a lot of great content out there right now about hip-hop 50 and what's going on. I mean, women are taking over the industry. We had a whole episode a few weeks ago about that. Um, We have some conscious rappers. We have some TikTok rappers. We had a first episode about that with Manny Simmons. And so for this episode, I wanted to highlight how hip-hop really started because it took a village. It was somebody throwing a hip-hop, you know, summertime jam. Mm -hmm. And that's really how the genre kind of took off. It was all about the community. It was all about you know, block parties and people gather around the DJ at the basketball courts. Like, if you really go back to the old school, like, start of hip-hop in the Bronx. And so I wanted to talk about, you know, just piece by piece, like, the different elements that kind of make, like, a good hip-hop jam. Not only that, but, like, a good team. Because we have seen really successful teams and labels and people working together as a collaborative, you know, take off. We, I mean, I'm wearing right now... Death Row Records, we know Suge Knight, he had his reputation. But since then, you know, Snoop Dogg has ownership of the label now and how it's all about kind of like reaching out and, and, and putting the next artist on so that we can have a new sound and hip hop can continue to evolve. And so I guess I could just start with, you know, what you're doing with The Wick and how you envision partnership. How did each piece kind of fall together and you can talk about some of your inspirations you know i know a few episodes ago i talked to you about your upcoming album well it's now out Mm -hmm. the album is now out and how at that time you were inspired by the wu-tang clan so maybe you could talk a little bit about how groups and collaboratives have influenced what you're doing yeah um hey miss christy (laughs) okay everybody let's cut to the chase everybody knows brother ash is also my partner in life i was i was just saying hello you just you looked at me like hey bae like okay (laughs) wanted to say hello but hey babe okay. all right now we got that out the way um yeah you know um i love different hip-hop groups um i don't think originally i knew what i wanted to do as far as you know being an independent artist and having a label i didn't know if that meant 100 percent executive i always knew i wanted to be an artist but i wasn't sure when um you know, I really would get some momentum with the team. Um, A lot of that took me, you know, I grew up playing sports, so I have the idea of, you know, teamwork all down pack, you know, big family, a bunch of siblings, not a bunch of siblings, but, you know, siblings, cousins. So you know how to, you learn how to work people, you know, work work with people, I should say. No, I was going to say, don't work people. (laughs) Don't be a (laughs) shook. You know, I, you know, I learned how to work with people um, and, you know, with the WIC, Having groups like the Wu-Tang Clan, um, No Limit, um, you know, even Young Money. I was a huge Young Money Mm -hmm. fan. You know, some hip-hop groups are, you know, 
independent, not completely independent. They might have be under a bigger, you know, music company. Um, but at the end of the day, the, all the groups that I looked at, no matter how independent they were, um, had different characters. Um, they had a boss. They had, you know... Uh, I like that you said characters, because it's always like, if, if there's a group, it's always like, that's the pretty boy, that's yeah. the front man, that's the crazy guy that trashes the hotel that's rooms. the rock like, star, yeah. that's the one that's quiet, um, that's the one that might actually kill somebody, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, but, you know, with the wig, man, it was really just, um, really, you know, just being spontaneous uh, with this group of artists that um, are part of the team now. Um, and just, you know, networking. Because originally, you know, the WIC was started in Willenboro. I'm from Willenboro. Mm -hmm. So originally, like, I was hitting up all people from Willenboro trying to be a part of the WIC. Um, and, you know, that was dope. That was dope to be able to work with them and to be able to have people from my hometown. Um, you know, even my god sister, like, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying, uh, being a part of the team. And uh, my Shout sister yeah. <laughs> isn't, like, officially, officially like a member or artist but she's like an she's like a silent advisor yeah. for me you know even my whole family's involved with it so like it's kind of like um you know the next step was expanding you know going to Trenton and then meeting the creatives out there um and then just networking through my network already like being introduced to Mike through seat yeah you know what i'm saying so it's kind of like just putting yourself out there really and just being vulnerable enough and if you're transparent enough the right people will flock to you so I yeah. like what you said about kind of how, you know, you started out thinking this would be a solo venture, you know, starting your music career. And I think that that's most of the people we hear about. You know, RZA, we saw how everything unfolded on the Wu-Tang Clan series on Hulu and how he, the first season, he did have that solo career, but he quickly learned how the industry worked and he yeah. learned that he couldn't manage it on his own. Like you said, even he brought in his brother for management purposes. The local drug dealer became his merch guy. And so let, let's even talk about that a little bit. Like, everybody has a role to play. And I, I know you, it, it was misspoken when you said you want to work everybody, but no, let's leverage everybody's talents. You mm -hmm. know, like we are putting our skills to work. Each of us has a different something to bring to the table. And um, so can you kind of break down, you know, how you've even collaborated with people on videography and things that, you know, just certain skill sets that you've realized, hey, I don't have this videography skill set. Yeah. I need to utilize a, a black creator at that. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's to me, it just boils down to just, like, being authentic and, um, you know, talking to people um, and the right people. Because you can have somebody that's willing to work with you who's accessible, who's affordable, but they don't handle business mm -hmm. the right way. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you go out there and you're trying to book locations or uh, venues or you're trying to rent equipment, whatever the case may be, and, you know, you operating with that person... And they end up going left, doing something yeah. shady. Now you in a whole nother situation. Your business is now, you know, staying with a bad rep. So it's kind of like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I'm just lucky enough. You know, I've, I've ran into some duds, definitely. But, like, I just try to fill people out. Like, um, I try to find people where the quality and the passion of it is just as much of a big deal to them as it is to me. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you have a 1,000 or 100,000 followers on Instagram. If you work a 9 to 5 and you spend your 9 to 5 money buying new cameras or buying new podcast microphones or buying new beat machines or um, we can talk about more than, you know, something as simple as 
dropping records. You know what I'm saying? I want to work with artists that's like really, you know, independent minded. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I don't really have to push you in um, because to me, I love this so much. I shouldn't have, nobody has to push me to be great or to try yeah. to be great. So I want to work with people that had that same mindset. Um, and it's, it's just a process, really, just filling people out. Yeah. That really kind of reminds me, yet again, bringing up the Wu-Tang Clan. But as I said, we date. So we was watching that show together. Yeah, it was <laughs> And a show, remember yeah. the part where, you know, ODB kind of let the fame mm-hmm. and the money and the drugs and the drinking kind of just make him lazy. Didn't want to get in the studio. They had to pull him into the studio. Yeah. And everybody else is just like, bro, how, how could you... How Somebody who used to love rapping, how do we have to drag into the studio now? And yeah. so I think when you do put the business in, into it, you kind of, kind of lose that passion a little bit. Um, and it, it does kind of break people up because... Putting artists together isn't always easy, right? You have nah, different, you have different styles, different yeah. mindsets, and um, you know, I was recently watching that hip hop origin show on A and E. It came out in 2022, but I think mm. they are repurposing it for HBO Max or something. So it's coming out on HBO Max in 2023. Definitely check that out if you guys have it. It's really a great, you know, ground floor basics of hip hop, learning about different artists. And, um, you know, one of the artists on there was Ice-T. And Ice-T was talking about how he was literally orphaned, um, had to move in with his, with his auntie in California, you know, definitely a culture shock, change of pace and everything. And he said... He got kicked out at like 17, living on his own. And how do you make money? You throw parties, going back to the 70s, 80s. And, you know, even today, I wish we still had rent parties. Well, you know a group that does rent parties, right? Yeah. The, the Block and Trenton. Yeah, yeah. And so going Shoot, back... I'll do rent parties. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, when you're trying to make it in this industry and promote yourself, the best way to do that is to have these, you know, events and stuff. But mm-hmm. it does take a village. You can't do these things on no. your own. From the DJ to the promoter to the bartender, everybody involved. So talk a little bit. Let's just break it down a little bit. Starting from a song, because Mm -hmm. on that Hip Hop Origins, they had an episode with Grandmaster Flash, and he's like the godfather of modern day DJing. Mm -hmm. And basically, it was Grandmaster Flash in the five, but they got the spotlight, and they said, we don't need Grandmaster Flash no more. And he was kind of just puzzled, like, how did it go from the DJ being the star of the party to the MC being the star of the party? That's the industry. Yeah, and yeah. so I want to talk to you a little bit about like everybody's role. What's the MC's role? What's the producer's role? What's the the DJ's role at the party? You mm-hmm. know, like because yeah, you can make a song in your room, but how are you going to get it out there? How are you going to grow your audience? Yeah. And how are you going to keep your audience? You know, we see. Artists today, everybody's going back on tour now because they realize like you got to give people an experience in person, yeah, yeah. and so just let's break it down. Let's start with the producer because I feel like you really have grown into your production era. Mm-hmm. You started out, you know, using other people's beats. Now you know how to make your own beats, and so do you think the producer is overrated or underrated? I think the producer role will always be underrated just because. Um, a lot of producers themselves are, are uh, the best of them at least, are, are artists, like true artists. Mm-hmm. And if you know any like artists, like whether they are painters, sculptors, uh, carpenters, whatever, there are people who need you know privacy and don't really need a lot of attention to work. And then you have other like super producers like you know Kanye, um, 
you know, even even Timberland, who I may not be say, outside yeah. all the time, but people, their names are like in everybody's house. So um, I think producers, though, what they provide to hip hop is, you know, it's essential. They're literally making the rhythms and the, uh, you know, the cadences that we kind of remember forever. Even if you don't remember a song word for word, you remember the beat behind it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. I, I could not agree more. I think that producers are underrated right now. Um, I've seen some things about, you know, AI DJs and mm. AI beat making, and that's all great. You could whip up a beat in one minute or less, but it does miss that artistry, like you said. It will like, never be nothing not. wows me more than when I hear a dope beat and I'm like, wow, this really came from somebody's mind. Like, yeah. And not only that, but like you said, these days, I'm not always listening to the lyrics. I'm here for the beat. Mm -hmm. And when, when you think about it, it, it is really the producer who should be getting the Grammys and getting the credit. And, and <laughs> I say now more than ever because yeah. I, I feel like at one point in hip-hop, I was just saying this, it was still commercial. People try to make it seem like this whole um, commercializing of hip-hop is something new. Nah, bro, it's just back in the day, lyricism was popular. Yeah. You know what I'm but saying? But Diddy is the one who turned it up and knew so, how to sell it. Who... That and then just also different points of hip hop where lyricism became less important because the producers continue to evolve. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like you hear these beats just thumping through your car and thumping through the function and then you don't realize so maybe a year later, like, wait, that person really was just saying bullshit the whole time. Yeah. But like <laughs> the beat was so fire yeah. that the bullshit sounded good. So it's kinda like that's a producer. That's what that's what a exactly. good producer can do exactly. for a track. So I ain't taking nothing from no artist, but I feel like producers deserve more credit. No, when, more now honestly, than ever, you know? one person that comes to mind is Justin Timberlake. His career would not be what it is without his little run with Timberland, yeah. a black producer. So and, I mean, JT is definitely super talented. I feel like he would have been, but he got with the right person. Yeah, he would have been successful no matter who he worked with. But it's something about what Timberland did with his sound. That made him, you know, run back to him and so much. And they got much. new music on yeah. the way. I see yeah. they uh, posted a little tweet, so they got mu new music on the way. And I asked my audience on Instagram, you know, who are some of your favorite producers? People could not go without naming Timbaland. Uh -huh. um, you know, who else? They said Kanye, like you said, um, Metro Booming. You know, these are some really hot producers right now. Anybody else on your radar besides yourself? <laughs> I'm gonna give it to my boy Seep yes, every time. Yes. And I don't, you know, I know. Some of your listeners may not know who that is, but, um, you know, he's my producer. He's his own producer. My whole thing with The Wick is independency. Um, we are a group, but I want all of my, you know, team, team members to be open to whatever opportunities that may be presented to him. And Seed deserves so much credit um, and so much praise because he's just, he's different. Yeah. Like, he's different. I can't really say that I've heard anybody make beats like him um, as a producer who has grown in his own sound, I often model my beats after Seep. I think, like, if I had Seep in this studio right now, what are some things he might do with, you know, these drums or these simps, you know what I'm saying? And obviously, I don't want to bite nobody, but, like, I think about that, you know, because we, we got that type of relationship. He kind of always been like a big brother to me um, in a lot of ways. So, like, yeah, that's And I that's think hip-hop yeah. is definitely about mentorship and um, learning, not gatekeeping and sharing what you know and I think that some of the people we have named, they have been more of um, those kind of heavy hitters on top, like mm -hmm. Pharrell and the Neptunes, people who do like give back in their own ways. And so um, they're still giving back because people keep freaking sampling. We have yeah. so much sampling going on today. It's like, 
like you just said, we have all these dope original beats. Why do we need to keep sampling old sounds? But hey, that's what they did back in the past. You know, uh, there was an episode of that A and E Hip Hop Origins on Uncle Luke, and he literally was just a party man. He literally used to just merge booty shaking songs together and used to just get the crowd hype. He really wasn't yeah. like a rapper at first. And so, or it, when he did, you know, put his own lyrics, they were pr- pretty raunchy, and he actually changed the industry in his own he, right he doing was that. what the industry needed at that time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and his legacy lives on forever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't call yourself, you know, wanting to be in this hip-hop thing and not know who Uncle Luke is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's what's important. And that whole episode just reminded me of, like, how awesome it is to throw, you know, different events and kind of... Like, going back to what I said about the block parties, kind of putting an energy and a vibe around the music. Because Grandmaster Flash said, you know, I came up with this dope mix. I went to the park, started playing. He was like, why is everybody gathering around me? What This is the, this is the craziest music I ever made in my life. Like, where is mm-hmm. the crowd? But at that time, it wasn't really all about the DJ. Now, when I go to a party, I'm not going to hold you. I went to an event, and there was a white DJ. And I was like, mm, let's see what he got. He threw down. He yeah. really threw down. God, yeah. I can say his name, Brock. I was like, right, well, right. I was surprised. Yeah, I was like, oh. he threw down. <laughs> so even in that regard, like it doesn't matter what you look like. Hip hop has really touched everybody. And if you're yeah. a good DJ, you're a good DJ. If you can get the party going, it don't matter what you look like. Yeah, and so I think the DJ is still super important. Um, I think I spoke on the podcast recently about how I went out to the club and I felt like the DJ... Oh, no, it was it was when I went out in D.C. Oh, my gosh, I felt like it was terrible transitions. Yeah. Like, that ruins the vibe of when you are, you know, on the floor trying to dance with your friends. It's bad transitions. Now you got people leaving the dance floor. Like, how do you keep that vibe going? How do you bring the energy from the song to in-person events, you know? You got to... Uh, specifically like DJing, I would say, I don't DJ, so I can't speak too much on this, but from what I noticed, um, the best DJs have their, like, thumb on the post of the culture, as if, like, they know what songs are hot, they know what's going on, and they know the culture to know enough, like, all right, if I play this song, it'd be like a throwback for this crowd, Mm -hmm. because I'm playing for 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds, or people like around that 30 age. Mm-hmm. So if I play something for the early 2000s, that's going to be nostalgia for them. So I think being a DJ, like you really got to know what you, you know, what you, what your, what your audience is. Yeah. Um, and you know, you got to be selfless to selfless enough to know, like, this is what they want to hear. I know some DJs. Oh, uh, they be playing all the music they want to hear. Yeah, no, you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but you also, at the same time, I feel like the best DJs know know how to blend it. Yeah. To where they know how to give you a mix to where. Um, you know, the transitions, like you said, with Bachman that you would hear or some of the, you know, things you would hear, you wouldn't think to hear it. Yeah. But it's still what you wanted to hear. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's it's a it's a fine line of balancing um of, you know So the DJ is kind of currently underrated, you think? I think um Or overrated. Oh, see that's you know, people may not like me for this, but I know some DJs and I don't want them to take this the wrong way. I think that DJs in today's culture are a little overrated. Hmm. Um, no, I, I see what you're saying. I'm gonna give you my back yeah. end. I'm gonna give you my back end because I feel like a lot of the DJs I've worked with, not all of them. Um, obviously, like the ones you know, the, my DJs that I love. I was gonna they, say, be careful now. Nah, they know. Nah, like Bachman, you know, Valana's like always done the stuff for me. Um, I work with a couple other DJs at the hub. Uh, my homegirl Reese. I ain't about to go down the list, but like <laughs> at the end of the day, like. Um, 
there used to be a time where DJs were more than just a gig. Yeah. Like, you really were passionate about not only, like you said, back when the DJ ran the show, yeah. something that came a part of that was breaking records. Mm, a lot yeah. of DJs, young DJs now are afraid to play records. That nobody's uh, heard on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like that's something in the culture that we kind of got away from. I could be wrong. No, like, I, I agree. Yeah, like When I, I said, I feel like overrated is a harsh word, but mm-hmm. we're kind of playing overrated, underrated here, so... When you say overrated, I agree. I feel like people just think like, oh, just throw my laptop out there and play my playlist and I'm a DJ. And I hate that these Mm -mm. days. Mm -mm. Like, we know some actual good DJs who still respect the craft, like you said. And so, for me, I need everybody and their mama to stop calling themselves a DJ. Like, just because you have a camera doesn't mean you're a photographer. And also (laughs) also interacting, you know what I'm saying? And that brings me to the other element of a hip-hop jam, a hip-hop party. A, a hip-hop group needs to have some kind of front man, some kind of MC. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of going to different events that people don't know how to work a microphone. Maybe that's the podcaster in me. Y'all need to hire me to be your MC. <laughs> because I just it's just like, like I said, you ha- everything has to keep flowing. You have to keep the crowd going. You have to talk to the crowd. You have to, you can't just leave people sitting around, you know, wondering yeah. when when's the next song going to play or, you know. And now you don't want to talk too much. Like, we mm-hmm. don't need, we didn't hear come here for a spoken word. Like, we just want somebody to keep the crowd going. You know, what if there's a technical delay? You got to get up there and say something. Like, I I just feel like we're missing that couth. We're missing a little bit of that, um, you know, crowd, audience participation. You know what I'm saying? Like, back in the old days. So, that's just my piece on MCs and... I mean, we have like DJ Khaled. He's like a modern I, day hype man. I agree. I think MCing uh, one falls on like the host or whoever the you know man or woman of the hour is. Um, you gotta you know get the get the crowd, get the audience ready for whatever the vibes are for the night. But a lot of the MCing that falls on the artist portion, I would say it just comes with comfortability. Like when you're working with an artist that's not used to performing or very uncomfortable, they're gonna be very reserved more times than not just because it's new for them or it's yeah. something that they haven't really mastered yet but like when you have to rehearse you know what I'm saying and like sometimes when I rehearse or like when I have some of my artists rehearsing with me I we, we do things like the crowd is there you know what I'm saying yeah. like what are some things you can say because you know sometimes like if I'm performing like uh, a very long song between another very long song I might need like a little 30 second you know Break in between. I think Ice T so, said that he used to run, run while doing his lyrics yeah, or whatever. So, but even scheduling breaks in your set, like, all right, um, you know, I'm gonna break between these songs, and in between these songs, I'm gonna have a little, you know, crowd participation or something to transition me to that next point. So, like, MCing is really just about being comfortable, honestly. Well, I like what you said about, you know, some people haven't mastered it yet, some people don't have that confidence yet. That's why I think you do need some type of curator. I feel mm-hmm. like each group needs some type of curator, somebody to handle everything from uh, artist development to yeah. styling. And I, I do even, think even about coaching. Diddy. I do think about Bad Boy. Yeah. I think about how he could turn a, 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 a diamond in the rough and shine it up and polish it. You know, I feel like he did do that with Big and kind of got his style. And even Mary J. Mary J. Blige, she talked about how you know she he got her style together and worked with black women stylists to up her look and yeah. Um, got got writers in on her album, got different producers in on her album, locked in, and uh, Diddy was one of those people to really like put all those people together. So sometimes you just need that curator, that person who like connects the dots and yeah. brings everybody together. And I feel like sometimes 
that might be my skill. I don't necessarily play any instruments or, you know, sing too much. I, I, I like to think I can sing. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I can do is like, you know what? I actually know a guy for you or I know somebody who yeah. could work on that and try to bring those people together. And I think that going back to you building the wick, it kind of takes that skill as well to know like what are their strengths? What does this person bring to the table? Yeah. We don't need nine niggas rapping like Wu-Tang. <laughs> like, that was OD. I don't know right. how they even survived, to be honest. Well, I'm going to say this. You, if it's nine niggas rapping the way they was rapping, I'll listen to it. You feel me? But like, <laughs> yeah. it's... It's... It, it go back to like what we was talking about being authentic. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that goes back to even the producer role sometimes. Elements of hip-hop are just like elements of anything else. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, different components that make one true, you know, being. Being we have elements on the earth, but we have one earth. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So in the hip-hop world, like, it's one being in itself, but like, or just one thing, but like, a lot of the times the elements kind of help each other. So if you have a Diddy who may not be like as musically, can't rap a lick. <laughs> he might even producing wise, he may not put a beat together the way a Ryan Leslie could. You know what I'm saying? But he's gonna know. You know what? Let me get this producer. Let me get this musician. Let me get these background vocalists. Let me get my hands on this sample. Mm -hmm. And he's gonna put that. Khaled is good with that too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's all important and it's all relevant. Every everything is relevant. You yeah. Know? So any final thoughts just on collaboration within hip-hop? As we're talking about, you know, this is the 50th anniversary. This didn't start out as somebody in their bedroom just, like, blew up one day. Mm -hmm. This was 1973. DJ Cool Herc and his sister threw a basement party at the projects yeah. and got the community come out. And so sometimes I think that, like you said, it has become more of a business instead of that fun, you know, experimental type of thing. It's all about speed now with hip-hop. Um, and, you know... Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just like speed, like... Not the drug. Like. That's, it was funny, though, when you said that. I'm like, whoa. It's all about speed. You yeah. gotta be on speed these days. You're on speed now? Like. <laughs> no, 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 no. We do not promote speed, yeah, the drug. Nah, not the wick. No way, <laughs> but I'm saying hip hop has just like you gotta crank out hits and yeah. and let's use the sample and you know whatever instead of just the originality like we said and the coming together of minds the coming together of strangers mm -hmm. even I think about Salt and Pepper's story and how they were just two girls who went to the same community college yeah. and they weren't necessarily friends but they knew if we get together we might be a pretty good group so damn good group and that reminds me of the HBO show Rap Shit which we thought was coming back this uh, August, but it's now been pushed back to November because of the, the writer's strike. strike. Yeah. yeah. So um, hopefully we can get more storytelling about hip-hop this year. I know that for Hip Hop 50, there's some great books out there. There's a lot of great uh, documentaries. Netflix has a documentary coming up on women in hip-hop. Um, and then people were mad. People always mad. People always got something to say, like, how come Missy Elliott and Nicki Minaj aren't in the documentary? They were like, do you think that we could book every woman in hip-hop? They mm -hmm. have crazy schedules, and we couldn't get the rights to Nicki's music, or something they said. <laughs> and so everybody always has their opinions. But final thoughts on Hip-Hop 50 and how this genre has changed your life, how it's changed fashion, food, everything it touches. Well, before I have any thoughts, I just want to like first say thank you to well you for having me first and foremost, but of course, um, two just to all of the you know people to come before me, whether it was a promoter. We didn't really touch on promoters, but 
how important they are. Yes. Um, I feel like know, they don't get. I feel like they are underrated and they kind of get. They, they be annoying. Yeah, sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Like promoters, <laughs> they have a job to do, yeah. but it's always that guy like another Saturday night or, with Henny. Or, <laughs> but you know, you need those guys. Um, you know, all the guys that came before me, my favorite MCs. The list can go on forever. Um, you know, I grew up in a great time for hip hop. Got to see a lot. Got to hear a lot of different things. Uh, I would just encourage like all of my peers and everybody in- involved in the uh, genre to just continue to be open minded um, and continue to be humble and remember that you know hip hop gets glorified is a lot, but it is still an art form. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So let's respect it and let's uh, be open minded to my old heads that don't want to <laughs> listen to no young rappers. I know it sounds repetitive sometimes, but be open minded. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And um, always be willing to reach back and help the community because hip hop was always for our community. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. I will say to the younger listeners as well, make sure that you are respecting your elders because if y'all going to be doing, using all these samples, know where they came from. I, Facts. I hate when I see that on Twitter, like, Oh my God, this is such a great song. Like, can I, did you can not, I, can I add something real yes. quick? Cause I, <laughs> I literally, I got into a little debacle on social media, which I don't do a lot. And somebody commented, uh, this dude sound like he rapping in 95. And it was about the, you? Yeah, about the, the Nas freestyle I did. And I was just it's like, literally Nas. that's because the beat is from 94. <laughs> and I'm like, but to me, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to pay homage to a goat and yeah. Nas, but you got rappers out now that don't even hear that Nas sample come on and know, know exactly yeah. what it is. Yo. So it's speaking crazy. of that, I also asked on the YBO Instagram, like, who's one of your favorite uh, rappers turned actors. But I said Will Smith is not an option because that's too easy. <laughs> but a lot of people said Queen Latifah, yeah, Ice-T. Yeah, um, somebody lot. even gave shout out to Donald Glover and that's kind of new school, right? Yeah. I mean, Childish Gambino turned Atlanta, turned Swarm, all these different projects he has coming out. So I love that hip hop is not just confined to music, to songwriting you know you can be the one to make the beats or you can be the one to put on the events or you can be the promoter there's so many different lanes i actually saw a girl tweet like i know y'all don't like corporate but we need more black people on the corporate side of music you know black a and r black uh marketers black publicists we need more black people in the music industry on that side you know so um, like I said, there's different avenues you could take in hip hop, and I'm just so grateful that I kind of came in late. I ha- I hate to say, but I kind of grew up a, a sheltered church girl, so I didn't listen to a lot of hip hop until in my, later in my teens. And I'm so glad that no matter when somebody discovers the genre, it's never too late to pick it up and yeah. fall in love with it. So I don't hate on people like you only know one Megan Thee Stallion song. Like so, if if that's what brought them into the genre. You know, we want to share the more the merrier. Um, Missy Elliott has tweeted about that. You know, it's definitely the music is for everybody. But like you said, we have to respect it. And I don't want anybody appropriating our culture, period. No, not at all. So. Enough of that going around. Yes. Hip Hop 50. Let's love it. Let's respect it. Let's share it. If you guys liked what you heard today from me and Brother Ash, make sure you follow at the YBO Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I'll drop Brother Ash's socials in the show notes as well. And anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, that's it. You guys uh, follow me at B-R-O-T-H-A underscore A-S-H. Um, and the link to the business page is in that bio. Thank you. Yes. And at this time, we would like to plug our back-to-school fundraiser. Yes. We are raising supplies right now at the time of this video and the time of this recording. 
for school supplies. We're hoping to give away some school supplies in our local community in New Jersey. So I'm so glad to partner with you on this day. Basically, give us your money. <laughs> but it's going to a good cause, you know. It's really any dollar amount helps. Like people, you could donate five dollars. Guess what? Five dollars could get us five notebooks. So you don't know how much that could really help us. We've already gotten some great donations from Staples. Maybe three notebooks. But, yeah. Donation, but exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, five dollars will get you three notebooks now. <laughs> three for five. But any dollar amount helps, and I'm just so glad to partner with you on this because, like you said, it's not just about pushing out music, pushing out podcast episodes. It's all about giving back to our community, right. using our platforms. So thank y'all. Follow, rate, comment, like, subscribe, share if you like this. And we'll be back with another episode. Bye. Adios.